Hi, listeners. Our guest today is Malkia Newman. I can't even give you the direction we went on this show other than to say she works for a mental health organization called CNS Healthcare. We've actually interviewed their CEO, and she is a leader of the peer-led education program that they do called the Anti-Stigma Program, which, of course, is all about mental health. But it's her story around her journey with bipolar disorder and depression that really is inspiring. She's an uplifter, and you can tell as we try to uplift each other during this entire show. And she ends with her beautiful singing voice. I hope you enjoy the show. I'm not the house of cards that falls down easily. I'm strong enough to handle what you throw me. Welcome to Mental Health News Radio. I'm your host, Kristen Sunanta Walker. Just what are we going to discuss? The intimacy that is mental health. Let's continue to make it as comfortable as discussing brain health or heart health. This show has been on the air for several years and we have amazing co-hosts. And then we created a network of podcasters on mentalhealthnewsradionetwork.com, a place where every possible facet of mental well-being can be talked about openly. My show... After several hundred interviews, the format is this. Intimate, deep, funny, touching, sometimes uncomfortable, but always vulnerable conversations with interesting people. The goal is to have you, our listening family, many of you who have become my good friends, feel as though you are listening in on private conversations. Thank you for tuning in and becoming part of this amazing journey with me and now with our network of podcasters. Just knowing this podcast might be helping any of you realize you are not alone on this journey called being a human being makes doing this podcast worth every second. Malkaya, thank you so much for coming on my show. Thank you for having me, Kristen. <laughs> we had such a good time, and I got to hear you sing, and I got to hear <laughs> your story, at least some of it anyway. So we met at a NAMI conference, and um, you got up, and you were the first person to speak. Yes, and, I did the opening. You did the opening, and then you sang. <laughs> I sing as part of, of my way of telling my story, and it caught on. And now when I show up places, if I don't sing, I hear about it later. (laughs) (laughs) I can totally, I can totally see why. (laughs) Well, you and the person you were with were by far the best dressed people there. (laughs) Oh my goodness. That's my husband, DeBray. He's one of my biggest cheerleaders. Mm, I could tell. I could tell. Well, tell our listeners um, what it is that you do, because you work for CNS Healthcare and yes. you're part of their anti-stigma program, but tell our listeners you know, what that's about and what your job is for this organization. I'd love to. Um, the CNS Healthcare anti-stigma program started in 2005. It was a one-year grant-funded program through SAMHSA, Substance Abuse Mental Health uh, Services Administration out of D.C. and Oakland County's Community Mental Health Authority. It was a one-year grant-funded program, so when we took the positions, we didn't even know if we would have a job past that first year. But the county was so impressed with the work that they did that they extended the grant for two years, and then they made us a permanent part of CNS. 
and we have the wonderful job of going all over the country sharing our recovery story talking about our experiences with our mental health to people of all walks of life um, we like doing it in a way that's non-threatening most yeah. of the time when you think about mental health mental illness substance use disorder it, it does it's not a warm and fuzzy subject right so we try to approach it in a way that that's not not to make light of it but to make it easier for you to hear uh the ups and the downs of it but the overall message that we want people to take away from our presentations is that recovery is possible just because you have a, a mental health diagnosis is not a death sentence. There are many, many people all over the world that are living successfully with a, a diagnosis. And that's the, the takeaway that we want people to hear when we do our presentations. Mm. Well, tell us, you know, I, I got to hear your incredible story, at least part of it when we were there. So tell our listeners, you know, what your journey has been with your own mental well-being. Well, it, it's been a journey for me. Um, mental health and substance use uh, challenges have been in my family for many, many years. Um, in fact, um, about 10 years ago, one of my maternal aunts did a search of our family history, and we found out that my great-great-grandfather died in a mental institution. So. I have many uh, cousins, uh, relatives. I had a brother who had schizophrenia who was in and out of a, a state mental hospital. Um, so the struggles are real. And when I started experiencing problems with my mental health, I was terrified. I didn't know what medication would do to me. I didn't know what uh, treatment looked like because he struggled so much. I just didn't see any, any good coming out of it. Um, so I struggled for years. I wasn't diagnosed until I was in my 40s. And uh, my whole adult life was affected. I've been married four times. Uh, four times is the charm, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> keep hope alive. I keep telling people, keep hope alive. There's someone for everyone. And it, it was, uh, it was re really difficult because uh, be Mental health conditions make it difficult to form lasting relationships and to bond um, because your thinking is not good. Your perception is not good. Um, having bipolar disorder, I was dealing with mood swings and, and, and it just made socializing difficult. I couldn't hold on to a job. So right. the fact that I've been with CNS since 2005 is a, a huge miracle for me because I've never worked anywhere my whole adult life and I'll be 66 next week. <laughs> and I don't mind telling my age, um, but living life and, and, and learning that there's a, a, a rainbow at the end of the rain. And that's why I, I include the rainbow in my story. I sought for rainbows for years and just never found one. But getting into recovery, getting the right medication, getting the, the support from uh, peers and, and case managers and, and people like people made all the difference for me. Um, I'm, a, I'm an ordained minister. I could marry and bury. I haven't yet, but I could. <laughs> And I spent most of my struggles in the church as well. Uh, some people don't believe that um, mental health 
conditions are medical conditions. They think it's a, a moral failing or character yeah. weakness or uh, demon possession. I heard it all. <laughs> I, went through, I went through all of the things that the, the church recommended that I do from being anointed with oil, fasting and praying and crying and, and the whole nine yards. But yeah. I just had to go to a doctor, get a, a diagnosis and start taking the psychotropic medication. And that's what worked for me. I'm not saying that's the only way. There's many ways to recovery, but that's what worked for me. I and, love I love that you say that piece because like I just had a phone call with a group that are wonderful, but they lack a, a lot of the depth of understanding around mental illness that I have because I've been dealing with this since I was like five. So, so you know, I know, you know the journey and they're like, well, you know, we want to make sure that we say that, you know, medication is bad. And I'm like, I'm not on my watch. No, right. you're not going to say that. <laughs> right. Right. I had a lady in one of the churches I was attending. This has been several years ago. And I opened up and shared with her about my diagnosis and the fact that I was taking medication. And she looked at me and she said, should you be taking medication? And I looked at her very, very serious and said, you don't want to see me without my medication. I know. And they somehow, even out, you know, that people will still, even with all this education, yeah. they'll still act like you're somehow misguided yes. or you just haven't done enough Reiki and healing yes. oils to, and I'm always like, you know, I am not saying that Reiki and healing oils don't help. Maybe right. that's a cure for someone else, but right. you're misguided for yeah. thinking that I'm somehow clueless or just haven't reached some peak in order to not be able to take medication. I mean, I, I always want to flip it around and go, you're looking at me like I'm the one who's misguided. And what I'm saying to you very kindly is no, you are. Right. It's a personal journey. And I think um, that's what makes it so difficult with mental health. Um, you can have two people with the same diagnosis and they, they present different symptoms. They're on yep. different medications. It's not like uh, diabetes where everybody can take insulin, whether it's uh, natural insulin or, or uh, 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 insulin that's, that's uh, manufactured. Right. People can take it in different doses and it, and it works for them. Mental health is not like that. It's, <laughs> it's, it's so exact. And it's so personal. And, and that's the, the part that I think is missing so much, in the, especially in the minds of the public, that they don't understand that, you know, when you're taking the medication, I've, I've talked to people who went through so many med changes, it took them years to find the right yeah, cocktail yeah. mix for them. I'm one of those, yeah. And, and, it, and they just don't understand how laborious the process can be. If it was just that easy, if it was just one magic pill for everyone, <laughs> we wouldn't even be having this conversation. And sometimes I, it's a, it's, it, you change. Like I've had medication right. that worked for years, like Effexor right. worked for me for yeah. years. And then my blood pressure was spiking, which it's been known to cause, you know, high blood pressure. And right. it just stopped being as effective because, right. well, then they come out with Pristique, which is Effexor with all the, you know, the, some of the stuff worked out of it. And that's right. fantastic. And I can not take it during a little bit of the spring and summer, but mm -hmm. you bet your ass the minute that I <laughs> that come, it starts one tiny brown spot on a leaf shows up yeah. and I'm yeah. like, 
Yeah. And you know yourself. You have to know yourself. You have to know your body. You have to tune in. And it's so easy not to. Um, And and getting to a place where the opinions of others don't hold so much weight that you dismiss your own. (sighs) That was so freeing for me. And it's still freeing for me. I don't, I don't, you know, I don't put other people down and I would appreciate it if you would not put me down for where I am in my journey. Um, I'm here and I'm secure where I am. I'm not, I will never tell another individual my way is the only way because I know it's multiple paths to recovery. Some people, I know some people that are successful with the mental health condition that don't take any psychotropics. Right. That doesn't work for me. So, you know, whatever, whatever you need to do to stabilize yourself, to have the quality of life that you desire, you do that. And it's good to get counsel. It's good to get, uh, you know, assistance with trying to figure things out. But ultimately you have to decide what's best for me. And I had to get to a point, Kristen, where I could trust my brain. Yeah. And, and it took me a while to get there because my brain hadn't done me well for <laughs> yeah. years. And I was afraid to trust my brain. But once I got into recovery, I, I learned I could trust my brain. I can trust my feelings. I could trust my thoughts because it's not like it was before when, when I wasn't on medication. How about when you do start trusting your feelings and your thoughts and there are some people in your life and rightly so, because they have been on this journey with you that are like, are you sure about that? Are you sure? And you're like, I know you've been on a journey with me. I really do. And I really appreciate your concern. And yes, you really like, I, you can, you can trust that I know what I'm saying now. Um, But that's, that can be, you know, that, that can be a road because I have tried to convince people in the past that they can mm-hmm. trust me when I was not in a good place. And so, right. like, well, why would I trust you now? This is right. years ago. But, you know, you do, right. you do get to that place where I think it's just living your life in a more stable fashion. Right. They see right. you thriving and, and happy and successful, whatever successful means to you. Right. And then they go, okay, they're doing well and can trust their own trust themselves that's the hard part of the illness Kristen because we don't when we go through what we go through with our mental health we take our loved ones with us oh yeah and I didn't understand why when I would come into family gatherings people would scatter (laughs) I didn't realize it was because I was unstable and I had poor impulse control and I would say and do things that people didn't know what to do with. So I, I had to uh, accept that part of me and, you know, and be kind to myself because I did the best I could with, with the knowledge that I had at the time. Right. But once I got more information and, and understood the illness better and knew what I needed Ooh. to do to take care of myself, then I had to take my loved ones on the journey with me. And I tried to educate them when I could. And that's not always easy either. No. It's, you know, you do the best you can. But the best thing I could do was just live a life worth living in front of them. And then they could see 
In fact, it's, it's funny that we're even going this this way. My my dad passed away recently, and um, I had to drive uh, with my brother. Well, my brother and sister-in-law drove. We ro uh, rolled down together to Atlanta to try to handle some of the business. And, and my brother, we were um, at a restaurant eating, and I was talking to one of my nieces, and, I, and we were in separate booths. I didn't even realize that he could hear our conversation. But he told me later, he said, the wisdom that you shared with her, it helped me to understand that you're not the person that you used to be. And mm -hmm. that and that meant so much to me because I love my family. Even when I was sick, I love my family, but I couldn't, I couldn't uh, be with them the way I wanted to be with them because of all the confusion and the hurt and the trauma that I was experiencing on the inside. Right. But once I started getting to a more stable place where I could love quiet, <laughs> love <laughs> peace, you know, stop making drama to feel better. You know, I right. tell people they laugh. They say, if you look at Webster's Dictionary for a drama, my picture is going to be there under <laughs> drama queen because I was the queen of drama. If it wasn't happening, I had to make something happen. Right. But now, you know, being in that quiet place and learning how much better uh, quiet is over chaos, it just, it makes so, such a difference because I'm calm on the inside and flows to the outside. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm at peace on the inside and flows to the outside. And people feel that and they sense that. Yeah, but they absolutely. have to be around you and interact with you in order to see that there has been some change taking place in your life. It can't be a long distance relationship. And unfortunately, some people have been hurt so much as they went along these journeys with people that when it's time to come back together, they can't allow that person to, uh, to get close because right. they've been hurt. Right. So that's one of the biggest things I had to learn. I had to learn to forgive myself first because I did the best I could with the information that I had at that time. And when I learned better, I did better. And I apologized to my family, especially my daughter, because I took her through all that chaos and she turned out to be a beautiful woman. And I'm so proud of her as a mother and a wife. And, it, and I can't take credit for any of it because I wasn't a good mother or a good wife, you know. When she was growing up, she didn't have anything to really look to. And to see her as a mature adult now and, and, and celebrating me and calling me her hero, that means so uh, much to me, uh, you know. <laughs> you know, I know you know. Yes, I do. It's, it just, it, it's nothing like it. And if I had to do the journey all over again, my husband and I, we talked about about it because he went through some tough experiences too growing up. And, and he told me, I asked him, if you could do it all over again, would you? And he said, yes, and that should surprise me. He said, because what I went through made me the person that I am. Yeah. I wouldn't be who I am if I hadn't gone through what I went through. So that helped me. It helped me to embrace the thorns along with the rose because you need them. You need the thorns. You need the roads. You need those times of refreshing. You need those times where you're challenged 
and you have to dig deep. You that's when you get to know who you really are, how strong you really are. Right. I tell people that all the time. You're a hero. That's we have a presentation that uh, discover the hero in you. I love it. Uh. And people with lived experience love it because we tell them think about your life. It was so many people that didn't make it. You made it through incarceration. You made it through homelessness. You made it through abuse. You you made it through so many different things and you're here today. Celebrate you because mm-hmm. you're a hero. All right, now you're going to make me cry. <laughs> you're a hero. You survived. You didn't just survive, Kristen. You're you're changing the lives of people all over the world with your podcast. That's why when you told me what you did, I got excited. <laughs> I got excited because just the idea that, that your words have power and the words can go over the airways and touch people in ways that we'll never, uh, never know. Oh, but just absolutely. knowing that you do, knowing that you can, you got an S on your chest. You just don't know it. Your, your cape is flapping in the wind right now. <laughs> you know what's so funny about that, um, that conference is I didn't know that I was a keynote, first of all, and I didn't know that I was going to be speaking in the main room. I literally thought that I was going to be in a breakout room oh, wow. with, with maybe 10 people which I've spoken in front of thousands of people. So it wasn't that I just didn't know. Right. I didn't have anything prepared. And then my colleague, Dave Ballenberger says, well, you're up there for an hour and a half. And I was like, what? (laughs) (laughs) I had no idea. I made up that whole thing. Wow. And I was like, well, I'm obviously I haven't forgotten how to be comfortable um, speaking. So it was just funny. I just stood there and I was like, you know, the only reason that I can get up and do something like that where I didn't learn any of it until three minutes before I get up on stage of how what I was going to be doing is because of the subject material, because I'm sharing like you do, you know, your passion, your struggle, this thing that you believe in the power of your voice i mean oh, it, that that's the only reason i cuz cuz then i'm just talking about what i believe in i'm not you know i'm not memorizing some right. topic that i don't care about like hummingbird feeders or something right but, you know. right, right. <laughs> Not that those aren't great. That's right. <laughs> they have a place. It's just not in your life, but that's okay exactly. too. And we, and hummingbird feeder people out there, we're not against you. That's we're right. For you. We're for you. You're heroes too. <laughs> <laughs> but that, but it's so funny, isn't it? When you get up there and you're just talking from the heart. And I say yes. this about a microphone too. I mean, what's nice about a crowd is you can feel the energy yes. right there and you can see who's being yes. affected. You can see who's falling asleep. My friend Dave, who brought me there was falling asleep. And I don't know if you saw that I called him out towards no. the end of my talk. I said, yep. Yeah. And the one I said, does anybody here have a paper that I could wad up and everyone kind of was looking at me like what because I was on stage and I said I need to throw it at Dave Ballenberger because he's sleeping during my presentation (laughs) (laughs) it was so funny but you you don't get that with podcasting it's just you and the mic and so to do it without that instant gratification you have to really care about a selfless act man because right 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 but it, the, the, I tell people, don't 
do a podcast about this topic unless you are ready to evolve spiritually in a way that you have not in a long time because something about that mic and your voice and the solitude of it, it is like you are having a direct conversation with God every single time. It's pretty amazing. Yeah, it is very powerful. So tell us about the work that you do on a daily basis. I mean, you're in the field, so you're around people that support you and that is vital, but you know, on an everyday basis, because that's the thing that I notice with me, with my own mental health challenges, I didn't create necessarily create the drama Mm -hmm. that was going on, but I looked for people who were people who created a lot of drama and then Mm -hmm. I got all mixed up in their drama and that's how I distract. That's how I medicated myself for many years. So it's different when you're in the field and people know what you're doing. Mm -hmm. And when you get to that stable place, which you're at, um, how do you, how did you get to that place where you stopped creating drama or looking for people that you knew could bring it? (laughs) That's a good question. I, I think I evolved and didn't realize it, that it was almost like one day I woke up and realized, hey, I'm not in that place anymore and I don't need it like I used to need it. Um, I wish I could say that there was a point in time when you know, it was a door that I threw open and walked through. It wasn't like that Um, with me. It's been a gradual journey. That's Mm -hmm. the only way I can can, uh, compare it because those mundane everyday situations that most of us have to go through, that was where I learned, excuse right. me, that's where I learned the most because mm. you, you don't have the accolades, you don't have the people applauding you, you don't have right. the reinforcement and you have to dig deep in yourself and you have to trust your higher power, whoever that is to you. To, to lead you and guide you and, and help to ground you in places where you didn't know you needed it. You know, cause so many times I thought I was ready to just take over the world and I wasn't. Right. And so many times I thought my message was, should have been broadcast all over and I would have momentary times of, of, of high highs. Um, right. I, one example with that, back in 2013, I was at the National Council uh, community behavioral health care. And that was the 50th anniversary of President Kennedy signing into law the the uh, act that created community mental health. Mm. So I was asked to tell my story at Caesars Palace in front of 4,000 people. Nice. And it was streamed live. Wow. And I thought I had arrived. But <laughs> right after that, I mean, it was amazing. People were, were stopping me in the airport and yelling at me on the airplane. It was just amazing. And then after that, nothing. Right. You know, and it was like, and I kind of compared to being like the shepherd boy, David, way out in the field, tending sheep, and there's nobody but you and the sheep. Mm-hmm. You know, you're just doing the everyday stuff. You're answering your emails. You're sending out emails. You're, you know, trying to connect with people, going to meetings, doing all that stuff that you have to do just to, to market whatever it is that you're doing in terms of a program, making connections, trying to explain to people what an anti-stigma team is. <laughs> yes, exactly. Oh my God, we still have trouble. 14 years later, you have to see it. You can't, you can't 
put it in words. You just have to see it. But those were the times that I was able to um, to see that I had grown, and okay. it's and it's and growth sometimes is so small, yes. you can almost miss it. And then something will happen. Like this morning, on my way to work, my car started overheating, and I had to stop in the middle of the street. I'm waving people by, and I'm like, okay, what am I gonna do? I got to work. And I called my husband. He took it to a repair shop. And I happened to have the almost exact amount of money that I needed to get the car fixed. And I wanted to get upset about it because, you know, day-to-day living, you always, well, not everybody. Some people don't have to worry about money. But <laughs> I'm not one of those people. Okay, I'm not one of those people either. And that, that was money that I had set aside for other things. And then I have to put it on the car. And I felt myself wanting to get upset about it. But then my, the next voice came and said, but think about it. When it happened, you were in a safe place. You weren't on the expressway. You weren't, you know, it wasn't at late at night or early in the morning. You weren't in a deserted place. You had the money. You were able to get it fixed. And that was so far removed from where I used to be. Yeah. So that's that's kind of, and I'm, I I feel like I went all the way around the block, but that's kind of what I'm trying to say. You know, totally those can. little tests and trials of life, even though they seem like they're beating you down to the ground, you'll realize, you know, I'm not the person I used to be. Somebody said something to me and I, I might have got offended, but I didn't cuss them out. I didn't want to <laughs> fight. You know, things that you used to do, you don't do anymore. Oh. Listen, we just went through some thing where I sat back and went, okay, what <laughs> is the purpose of this nonsense? Because ego, big fat ego came walking in, mm-hmm. you know, I'm the this and I'm the that and da, da, da. And I'm like, you're in mental health. Everyone's an equal this is not your star vehicle, this thing that we're doing. This is about everybody. And yeah, I noticed at 49, I'll be 50 in January. I'm sorry, listeners. I know you hear <laughs> He does not know this. Um, but I, I, you know, I was ticked. Oh, I was so yeah. angry. I was angry for the people that were part of the project that are now having to deal with this young out of control, I mean, my ego person who thinks that they're more important than someone who's been in the field for 50 years. I mean, just all this cuckoo stuff. Right, right. And and the, but the more mature me is like, there is a purpose for this Mm -hmm. too, and all will be well. Just move forward, do what you're going to do. You know where your soul and your heart is in this stuff. And it's going to be fine. (laughs) And it's funny that you say that, Kristen, because people watch us and they watch the way we react and act in certain situations. Yeah. And and we're teaching people all the time and not even knowing it. That's so true. Because we've learned. That's that's why sometimes I'm sad for some of the younger generation because they feel like they really don't need gray haired people in their lives. Right. But they really do need another voice so because you've so only good. been here maybe 20 years, maybe 25. That's right. And you have, you know, you don't have the skill set that you think you have. You don't have the understanding. And I remember it seemed like it was just yesterday. I was telling my mom, 
oh, it's so much different now. It's not like it was when you were young, blah, blah, blah. And then when I got older, I realized how wise my mom really was <laughs> and how dumb I really was. <laughs> you know, I'm so glad. I don't know why. I, maybe because my grandma was just so, um, I mean, this incredible person with a lot of problems, of course, because mental illness just runs rampant through my family history on both sides. But, you know, I I always hung out with um, senior citizens. Mm -hmm. I'm much closer to that age now than I was as a kid, but I always did. And I always would go to them. And I remember a woman who had seven children. She was 65. I was 20 three and we were in a college class together the only college class i could actually make it through um and she was there taking an english class to write about her depression mental health challenges and also to write something for her grandkids because she'd only had up to a seventh grade education and i remember coming to her depressed traumatized going through a divorce and her Mm -hmm. saying you know I've just seen the cycle of life way more than you have. Everything that happens, you know that you're, you know, it's going to work out how it's going to work out. You're not going to die. And Mm -hmm. you've been through that so many times. You just don't get as rattled by it. And I remember at 23 thinking, I hear what you're saying. I have no idea what you're talking about in terms of experience, but I trust you. And boy, now at 49, I'm like, yeah, I get it.
you know, and it's not, I've, I finally figured out it's not the, that I should stop feeling that way or shame myself for feeling that way, or it's a failing. It's more of a, okay, well, feel that, feel, feel all your feelings, girl, feel them all. And, and then keep moving. Cause Mm -hmm. I would just stop and sit in my anxiety. Yes. And that's like the worst thing. I would just stay entrenched. And I see this with other family members, including my mother, just sit in a dark room full of anxiety and paralyzed. Yeah. Paralyzed and obsessed. And, and the chicken little, the world is, sky is falling for hours. Yes. Days. Yes. Exactly. Days. Days. Sleep. Try to sleep it away. And now I'm like, nope, you're going to get off your butt and move. That's what you're Yes. And you can do it today. Yep. Oh my God. Yeah. Oh my God. You can do it today. It's so so refreshing just knowing bad stuff happens. Yes. Mm -hmm. Bad things happen to us all. But you don't, your life is not over. Is this moment is just this moment. If you could just breathe and get through it, get to the other side. It's something better on the other side. It's something better. It's something sweeter. It's something richer. Just keep moving. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing. I I couldn't move before. Right. That being paralyzed in your mind, you know, and and that that shuts down everything. Yeah. But to, to be confronted with those same situations and to feel that fear and feel that dread and feel that anxiety and be able to push through and keep moving and get on the other side is like, hallelujah. <laughs> I know it is. Oh my God. It is such hallelujah to be able to do that. Oh my gosh. And that's yes. how you, you know, enjoy those moments of, well, yep, today or this week or whatever was just about me getting up, doing mm-hmm. my routine, Da-da-da. boring, 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 but I don't need to go looking for something to spice that up anymore. Right. I spice it up plenty with healthy things and right. you have to um, also sit back for the boring and go, yeah, well, it's okay. I can be bored. Bored is okay. Yeah. That's another revelation. Right. <laughs> you don't have to have excitement 24-7. <laughs> when you were talking about, you know, the Vegas thing and stuff, I was thinking, yeah, isn't that funny? Because you can get so hyped up and in a frenzy about stardom or mm-hmm. whatever it is you think that that is. And to be able, I mean, some of, some of my good friends are celebrities mm-hmm. in, in their respective areas and they're, they just are like, yeah, I mean, I, I enjoy it. I enjoy those moments, but I really tell myself, ground myself the whole time that one of those events is happening. Don't go off the deep end here because the mm-hmm. crash is, it really sucks. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Right. Don't get all up in your ego. Don't do it. <laughs> it's not a pretty sight. <laughs> it's not. It's, it's not. not a pretty sight. It's a little embarrassing or a lot embarrassing too. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank God for it. You yeah, know, so because you had the experience and you know, you don't like it. So when you see yourself going down that road, you can say, no, I'm not doing that road. <laughs> Exactly. I've been there, done that. I've got the t-shirt and the postcard. I'm moving on. 
<laughs> I'm turning on my blinker and I'm going to the right. I am okay. not staying on this road. Yeah. Oh. Love it. Love it. Love it. Well, tell our listeners, and you have to come on again, by the way, but tell our Thank listeners <laughs> where they can find out more about you and CNS. Well, you can go to our website. It's www.cnshealthcare.org. And there's an anti-stigma tab on there where we are. We also have an email address that goes directly to our team. And that's anti-stigma, all lowercase, at cnshealthcare.org. And you can also reach me uh, on by phone. My direct down number is 248-871-1482. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for coming on. I so appreciate it. I'm so glad I got to meet you and your husband. (laughs) Do I have time to sing a little bit? Absolutely. Go for it. I can see clearly now the rain is gone. I can see all obstacles in my way. Gone are the dark clouds that had me blind. It's going to be a bright, bright, sunshiny day. Mm. It's going to be a bright, bright, sunshiny day. Thank you, thank Mike. You. <laughs> and thank you, listeners, for tuning in to another episode of Mental Health News Radio. I know, I know, no one likes commercials, but seriously, folks, without the help from these organizations, we could not stay on the air. Please give a shout out to zencharts.com. If you're a mental health or addiction treatment center, you'll want to use their EHR. It's gorgeous. And they're just good people. And also MyGenetics, M-Y-G-E-N-E-T-X.com, because knowing your genetic code empowers your mental health treatment. And lastly, CopeNotes.com. We love getting positive messages right to our phones every day from Johnny Crowder. He's the lead singer of Prison, a heavy metal band sharing their music about suicide prevention, addiction recovery, and mental health. See, that was painless. Support them as they support us. Back to the show. Sometimes I'm passive aggressive, but never without good intentions. I heat up and act on my emotions. Thanks so much for listening to Mental Health News Radio. Our podcast can be found on iTunes, Stitcher, and hundreds of other podcast apps. Or you can visit our website at mentalhealthnewsradio.com. If you have a question or would like to be a guest, become a podcaster on our network, or join the amazing organizations that help keep us on the air, please email us at info at mhnrnetwork.com. Get ready for that special goodbye from our resident therapy dog, Miles, and a special thanks to Emily Sohn for letting us use her incredible song, Cordial, for our podcast music. Listen to the full song on SoundCloud at emily.sonne. Don't be surprised when I don't hate on you. After all we promised, we'd be cordial. Sometimes in you I can fight it. Good boy.